Welcome to Treaties in 12, your source of spiritual enlightenment and dick jokes. I'm Mark. I'm Brent, and today's guest is some Chris Tweets. Hey, Chris. Hey, how's it going? Be honest, Brent. Awful. Oh, <laughs> Brent no. Is sick. Is that yeah. what you wanted to hear? Do you feel better now? It's exactly what I wanted to hear. My Brent, work here Brent's is just, done. <laughs> Brent is just angry with the world Want right now. Want to hear about how yeah. gross I feel? <laughs> I, I care a little bit. <laughs> but only in that it impacts me. I don't me. buy your lies. So, Chris, you are living the internet dream in a way. You actually, for your work, you do internet. I do internet. I, uh, I, am, I am a uh, video editor and social media manager for a couple of YouTubers who live on the internet. So I uh, am always plugged in, which is terrifying. <laughs> so... YouTubers live and die, I guess, by the number of hits they get, right? Because right, that yeah. represents impressions, eyeballs, and ad revenue. Ultimately. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so, uh, how many how the, many hits does one have to get to be a successful YouTuber? Like, what's what's a break even y kind of you're starting to make a living at it point? That's a good question because once you start off, you have uh, what's called a CPM, which is a cost per uh, thousand uh, clicks uh, of ad revenue. And the more you get, the more your CPM is worth. So it sort of snowballs over time. What it really comes down to is releasing a new video every single day, regardless of how amazing it may or may not be, because that's going to build a relationship with your YouTube subscribers who will tune in every day to see your show. So people actually subscribe. Obviously, I know you subscribe, and I subscribe to a few channels, but I don't check it that often. So some people are just like me neither actually <laughs> <laughs> ironically enough but it's just like with uh, tv some people that serve they check in every day sure sure tower yeah. or whatever yeah and uh the people i, I edit for do uh, mostly vlogs where they'll just record a short video on their phone i edit it out take out all the spaces and ums and ahs and uh make it slick and shiny and upload it and within by the end of the day it usually gets about maybe a third of a million views and uh that keeps it afloat to keep going so it's pretty steady work that's pretty incredible and yeah. this does i guess relate to your uh your degree you did a a degree in screenwriting and advertising right yeah i, guess... I majored in uh, writing and uh, minored in advertising yeah but you not so you're not only doing this for other people you also do some screenwriting for short videos of your own right uh, yeah, not so much anymore because my job has sort of snowballed into a more time-consuming monster than it used to be. But uh, yeah, I'd love to write my own you know, pilots that never get made and uh, scripts that I can hammer out with a couple of friends on a weekend. And uh, yeah, it's what my uh, passion is to, to, to make these uh, comedy sketches and stuff, yeah. Now, I know that you said that you also occasionally like to go out and catch uh, a UCB show. Are you also an improviser, or do you do any uh, UCB workshops? Or uh, Yeah, I took one uh, last year, and uh, where I went to college in uh, Denton, Texas, I uh, started a uh, bi-weekly improv show, uh, and we sold out every show and uh, had like people in the back standing up just, just to watch us. And that was uh, mm. a huge thrill to have to, to organize and be a part of. Yeah. Very cool. So and actually also looking over some of the stuff that you sent us, you mentioned that you're six foot six, which mm -hmm. I think you're now the possibly the second tallest. Cause He's I think a monster. Yeah. The the tallest, is, I will destroy them. 
<laughs> I, I would watch that fight. I would too. Daryl and Dawn is apparently six eight. Is that right? Uh, yeah. He's up there. He's another mutant for he's, sure. He's he's yeah. really tall. Six six is respectively very tall. Six very eight is spider like. Yes, yes. Well, I think as soon as you as soon as you get over six six, though, it's onto this whole other territory of whoa. Do you, do you often meet people who are taller than you, or no? No, it creeps me out when I meet people taller than <laughs> I am, and I don't even think about it that much until I see a, a photo of me with normal heighted folk and uh that's what really stands out the norms what the kind norms. of car do you drive uh, <laughs> a uh, honda civic coupe a uh, small car wow that's uh that's a bit of a small car i had a friend who's 6'6 and used to drive a rabbit and uh he could always it always looked like this whole procedure did you ever well of course i'm, I'm a bit older so uh they used to have this yogi who would fold himself into this tiny plastic box clear plastic box on uh, this, this tv show and uh In black and white i assume yeah it was black and white because we didn't we didn't invent color until the uh was it one those no talkies that's right that's right <laughs> we, he actually it was it was only viewed on uh, like a zoetrope you had to spin the thing around and watch <laughs> the guy fold himself in anyhow uh, I always imagined him being like that, just kind of folding himself in. So I guess your friends probably appreciate it, though, being 6'6". Six, six, so they can always find you in a crowd. Always. If huh? I ever get lost, all I have to do is raise my hands and scream, up, up. And, uh, <laughs> and a responsible adult will come along and pick me up and yes. take me to the information box. Actually, there's a question. I had a friend who was well over six feet way back when we were in grade seven. Uh, and he was taller than the teachers. Were you like an early sprouter or a late sprouter? Uh, around eighth grade is when I started to really uh, overtake everyone. It's when people sort of uh, evened off and I just kept going. All of high school, always, I was the tallest person, yeah. So something else that you mentioned is exploring old haunted houses. Yes. Have you actually, <laughs> been, to, have you actually been to a place that is supposedly haunted? Uh, supposedly haunted, yeah. Back in college, uh, about an hour north of where I went to school, a couple of friends and I this is not an admission of uh, guilt for trespassing, but hypothetically, if this were to happen, we might have gone to this house that was like this four-story mansion, and it was uh, condemned, surrounded by like this 12-foot-tall fence that we found this uh, sort of hole that we pried maybe ourselves into to get in. And uh, the story goes that it was built during the Civil War to be a prisoner of war camp uh, for the Confederates. And they would nurse captured uh, Union soldiers back to health so that they could take them off and interrogate them and break them again. And after the war, it was shut down, of course, and turned into a, uh, a mental asylum. And a few decades later, it was shut down and turned into an orphanage. So right away, you have like the top three spookiest places. It's, it's a happy place, is what you're saying. It's like, <laughs> yes, uh, joy. Yeah. And then someone burnt down the orphanage, and a bunch of kids died, and now it's haunted by tiny ghosts. <laughs> it's it's adorable. the creepiest place you can it's, go. It's like the trifecta of like just yeah, ultra creepy. Yeah. It, did it did you did you turn that into a uh, ghost story? Because you write ghost stories. Uh, yeah. No, we just walked around until we were all equally pretty creeped out and left, and never spoke of it again. <laughs> Have you had any legitimately creepy experiences that you couldn't explain? Hmm. Not really. Science wins again. Yeah, <laughs> science. <laughs> Woo, science. Okay, uh, no, yeah, I <laughs> uh, saw this uh, bolt of light from like the sky, and then angels clapped from behind the dark clouds. And it happens every time, and I, I, don't, I don't know. Okay, I science it. concedes. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Take that science in your face. <laughs> in the throat. So just before we move on, you mentioned that you collect vinyl records, and I'm wondering what's your favorite, what's like the prize in your collection? I'm a big fan of the uh, National, probably my, my, my favorite band. And uh, one time I saw them and got one of my albums signed by the lead singer. And that, that, that's uh, probably my, 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 my prized possession. But my, uh, when my grandfather passed uh, last year, he left me all of his old records. So I, I like to have those sort of set off to the side too, which is, which is a nice thing to have. Yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> okay, that sound well, means it's time. I know, it <laughs> catches us off guard every time. Uh, Brent has some Twitter-related questions for you, if you are ready. I am ready and able. Well, you only have to be able and ready. Never mind. No, yeah, <laughs> Forgive me, I'm kind of fucked up. What's your proudest Twitter moment? Hmm. Uh, I am a huge fan of the Welcome to Night Vale uh, podcast, and one of the co-writers, Jeffrey Craner, uh, a few weeks ago favorited one of my tweets, and uh, knowing that like, one of my favorite writers liked something that I had written was, uh, was a huge uh, ego-inflating boost for a couple days so uh it was just a favorite but it was my favorite favorite does he follow you too no he does not follow me <laughs> how did he find your tweet do you ever wonder that i, I don't know i, I guess wonder. someone uh he follows uh, retweeted me yeah. so who's your biggest or neatest follower the the writer uh christopher moore follows me and i think that that's pretty cool i love his novels and his style of writing and uh really anytime anyone i admire follows me or interacts with me on any way i get really excited but he's probably my my neatest follower i guess he writes comedic takes on both like the horror genre and didn't he have a book on jesus's best friend as a kid yeah yeah where it's like a the the gospel of uh jesus's best friend whoops uh who sort of follows him around and tells the story from his his point of view right 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 what's your favorite real life twitter moment I originally just, I don't really, you know, invest a lot of emotion into numbers or how many followers you win or lose in a day or whatever. But I when I first started tweeting a couple of years ago, I just kind of wanted to spitefully have more followers than this person I went to college with. And the day <laughs> I uh, overtook her follower count, I was, I was very spitefully excited. And that was, that was, that was a nice day. <laughs> Chris was scorned. Mm-hmm. So, in closing, give us one underrated tweeter that you think everybody should be following. Mm. Uh, I'm a huge fan of a uh, post culture review. Who, uh, you know, a lot of stuff I, I tweet is sort of like um, haunted ghost fever dream sort of sort of jokes, and uh, he's fantastic at that kind of uh, humor. Uh, very surreal and spooky kind of humor. And uh, he also has this podcast uh, where he basically turns that into a, um, a newsletter format sort of talk show. And it's really fun. So at uh, postcultrev uh, is his handle. You should check him out. I've been following him for a few weeks because he, I think he faved one of my tweets. And I, I sometimes check out people that fave it and I fave my tweets. And I then saw, oh, yeah, this looks kind of cool. Mm. Yeah, yeah. All right, that's it for me, and that's it for me as well. That's Chris, thank you very. Much. <laughs> you're done. You'll be done when we tell you you're done. <laughs> All right, Chris, thank you so much for joining us. 
it's been a delight and thank you for having me again absolutely always always very cool to meet cool people all right this has been two years and 12 i'm mark i'm brent and we'll see you next time 